0: Bloomington Mayor Terry Renner is not seeking re-election in the April 2021 municipal elections. More
1: than 900 people rallied at Corn Cribs Stadium to show support for President Donald Trump on the night of the last presidential debate.
0: More on these stories now. I'm Annalisa Trofmuck. And I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprise's Long Story Short.
1: Every week, we recap Central Illinois news covered by Lee Enterprises journalists in Bloomington, Decatur, and Mattoon. Up first today is election news. Hundreds of people came out Thursday night at Corn Crib Stadium in Normal with flags and signs to show support for President Donald Trump. The rally, hosted by the McLean County Republican Party and WRPWFM, hosted the event, followed by a free screening of the last presidential debate. The crowd was buzzing with excitement and several attendees identified foreign relations and the economy as key issues. I spoke to a few people who attended the rally to get some thoughts on the previous debate and what they hoped the president and former vice president Joe Biden would discuss Thursday night. Check out my report at Pantagraph.com to hear what people had to say. Also across the three news websites, we have information about early voting leading up to the November 3rd election. We have information about polling place locations and hours and exclusive interviews with candidates It's in McLean County. Search any of the three news sites, which are thepanagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com, and early voting in Illinois, and the information should show up under the headline: Want
0: to Vote Early in Illinois. The information was pulled together by Lee Enterprises reporters and editors. If you want to support the work we do, check out the subscription options for our online and print services. Thank you to our subscribers who support local journalism every day and allow us to cover important issues in central Illinois communities. Sierra, do you want to talk about local government news? Have you ever wondered how big that tree down the street from your house is?
1: Or what species of trees are in Maxwell Park? Well, the town of Normal unveiled a new interactive program mapping nearly 12,000 of the town's trees. The database is a culmination of a recently completed inventory of Normal's urban canopy. Now some people might find this super interesting. You can access this database through the town's website and play around with it to find specific trees in the area. There are little green dots on the satellite map that you can click and it will tell you the species of trees in the area and how big they are. Did you know that the largest species of trees in normal is crabapple? I find this really cool, but I'm a little nature nerd myself. The town plans to use this database as a way to keep track of the condition of the town's trees and take proactive measures to prevent invasive insect species or disease. Check out my report at pantograph.com for more information. The city of Charleston is moving forward with a bike pedestrian path for the Lake Charleston area that officials say will create a tourist destination for generations to come. The council voted this week to support the $2 million grant request through the Illinois Transportation Enhancement Program. A $1.8 million donation from the Lumpkin Family Foundation will cover the remaining funds needed for the project. The city is planning to build a 10-foot-wide path starting at the Lake Spillaway Pavilion, running under Illinois Route 130 before bridging the Embraer River and connecting with the bypass road on the other side of the highway. It will include a connection to public trails at Warbler Ridge, owned by private conservation organization Grand Prairie Friends. Check out JGTC Dave Fopé's report at jg-tc.com for more information. The village of Wapella and its mayor are seeking a preliminary injunction to halt construction of a wind farm in DeWitt County, panograph reporter Kevin Barlow reports. The lawsuit alleges the county will violate the rights of the citizens of Wapella if the wind farm is built by depriving them of continued use and enjoyment of their property free from negative impacts on their health, safety, and welfare. Sherry Mears and the Village filed a complaint against Enel Energy, formerly Tradewind, and DeWitt County alleging procedural measures were not followed when the DeWitt County Board voted to grant a special use permit to the Alta Farms II Industrial Wind Turbine Project. Kevin did a great job of breaking down the issues of this lawsuit and why the village is opposing the wind farm project, which has been opposed by many DeWitt County residents. This is the second lawsuit filed against the project developers and county board. Be sure to read Kevin's report at Pantagraph.com to hear history about the project and why people are opposing it.
0: Bloomington Mayor Terry Renner announced Wednesday he would not seek a third term. Renner was elected as mayor in 2013 and won his re-election in 2017. I spoke with him during an unrelated press conference on Wednesday, and here is what he had to say.
1: And It certainly was a long time in coming. i talked to lots of friends and and political activists and supporters about whether or not to seek a third term. And while I'm very proud of a lot of the accomplishments that, that we've made, and certainly leaving Bloomington in much greater better hands than It was eight years ago. I think it's not a bad idea to have perhaps a new fresh perspective for someone to take blooming to the next level. And that is in terms of uh, economic development, some of the capital projects we've had.
0: And just a day after Renner made his announcement, Mike Straza, a longtime Bloomington resident, announced his mayoral candidacy on Facebook Thursday morning. Straza in September announced a campaign for the Ward 5 aldermanic seat, but this week he said he is suspending that campaign so that he can run for mayor. Here's a clip from the video posted on Straza's Facebook campaign page. Hi, I'm Mike Straza. Over the past month, I've talked to you about my desire to serve Ward 5 and to build Bloomington together.
1: Over the past few
0: weeks, I've been speaking to the people of this community, and I realize my goals are resonating with the people of Bloomington. From Fox Creek to Sunnyside, from Tipton to Demets Grove, people want to see our community thrive. It's because of this I'm excited to announce I'm suspending my campaign for Alderman of Ward 5. Today, I'm looking to earn your vote as the next mayor of Bloomington. On a similar note, Bloomington Fire Chief Brian Moore will retire after nearly 30 years with the fire department. Moore began his career with the fire department in 1991. He was promoted in 2011 to shift commander and assistant chief. In 2013, he became a training officer and was promoted to fire chief in 2015. An interim fire chief will be named in the near future. You can read more about this at pantograph.com. Decatur City Council members signed off Monday night on a zoning change paving the way for a more than $5 million supported living facility for people with severe mental illness and mental health challenges. Reporter Tony Reid writes the proposed facility will be located on an almost three-acre empty site at the corner of Cary Lane and North Charles Street. It will be operated by a nonprofit organization called Woodford Homes, which was founded by the Macon County Mental Health Board. If all of the funding comes through, construction work is slated to begin in June and the facility will be fully occupied by November of 2022. So, moving into education news across the Unit 5 school district in Bloomington, students from pre kindergarten to second grade returned to the elementary schools this week, while sixth and ninth graders were the first of the older students to begin the hybrid model. Illinois schools in March were closed as COVID cases increased. School administrators over the summer decided whether to have students return to class or do remote learning or a mix. Several teachers and staff members on Monday wore lanyards with pictures of themselves attached to make sure students knew who they were behind the masks. Hear from students and teachers in reporter Kelsey Watsonauer's story at pantograph.com. Reporter Valerie Wells wrote that the Lutheran School Association announced on Monday afternoon that the school would close to in-person learning for the remainder of the week due to new cases of COVID-19 among students and staff. The Macon County Health Department advised the school to close for a minimum of 24 hours to allow for a deep cleaning, but administrators decided the safest choice was to close until Monday, October 26th. Parents who wanted to pick up their students prior to the regular dismissal time could do so. You can read more about this at herald-view.com and Val's story.
1: Mattoon students and teachers were back in the classroom Monday, beginning in-person instruction for the first time this school year. The school district started the first quarter of the semester with remote learning only as a precaution during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. But in-person instruction began Monday at the start of the second semester with a reduced schedule. Remote learning is available for students during designated school days when they are not on campus. JGTC Rob Stroud spoke with teachers and students about how the first day went. Check out Stroud's report at jg-tc.com to hear more about how the first day of in-person classes went. Eastern Illinois University is seeking to form a committee to consider changing the name of the university's Douglas Hall, named after former U.S. Senator Stephen Douglas. EIU President David Glassman said that the residential hall was named in concert with the neighboring Lincoln Hall, named after former President Abraham Lincoln. The residential halls were named after the two politicians to honor Charleston's history as one of the famed sites where the two debated during the 1858 U.S. Senate campaign. Glassman acknowledged Douglas's racist past and support of slavery, but said that the building's names were solely a commemoration of a national debate. Glassman is instructing the committee to make a recommendation on whether to retain or change the name of the residential hall. Read JG-TC Rob Strass report at JG-TC.com for more information on the residential hall and recommendation committee.
0: Our first story in sports-related news comes out of the Herald and Review. Reporter Matt Flotten wrote about a severe car accident that happened on Tuesday night. Effingham High School senior football player Tristan Duncan has shown positive signs in his recovery, his mother posted on Facebook on Wednesday. According to Effingham County Sheriff's Office, statements obtained by the Effingham Daily News, Duncan lost control in a 2007 Chevy while driving down a hill in Summit Township and collided with a 2020 Chevy operated by an Effingham resident. Police described Duncan's injuries as incapacitating and he was transported to Carl Hospital in Urbana. Police said the passenger and the driver in the second car were not injured. Duncan was cited for driving too fast for conditions, the report said. Reporter Matt Flotten has more details in his story at herald-review.com. During a Friday game against Wisconsin, the Illinois football team continued to promote social justice. The Illini wore white helmets, white jerseys, and white pants, but the orange block eye on the helmet was replaced with a black block eye. In addition, there were black fists on the back of the helmet and one of the five messages on the bumper of the helmet. Those messages included Black Lives Matter, I fight against racism, together, equality, or united. Reporter Joey Wagner writes that members of the team took the ideas to head coach Lovey Smith and athletic director Josh Whitman, who both supported the idea. In a statement released by the program, these initiatives are not supportive of any particular organization, but a belief in equality for all individuals. More on this at herald-review.com. In public safety news, officials with two organizations that work with the McLean County survivors of domestic violence say services are continuing during the COVID-19 pandemic. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and MCCA and Children's Home and Aid want to increase awareness even though some traditional awareness-raising events aren't happening this year because of concern over the spread of COVID-19. Visit Pantograph.com for reporter Paul Swike's full list of the programming happening this year. Continuing efforts to boil down which ballots remain contested has prompted a delay in a court case to determine, after two years, who won the 2018 race for the Macon County Sheriff. The trial had been set to begin Thursday. According to a court docket entry made Monday stemming from a scheduled pre-trial hearing in connection with the case, the parties represent they continue to work on the terms of a partial stipulation as to the disputed ballots. Reporter Tony Reed has been following this for some time, and you can read more about the history of this situation at herald-review.com.
1: Representatives of the Illinois Firefighters Association and the Illinois Fire Safety Alliance stopped by the Charleston Fire Station Wednesday to educate people on a new Illinois smoke detector law. The law, which goes into effect January 1, 2023, will require older homes to have detectors with sealed-in batteries that last 10 years instead of about 6 months. Representatives explained how the sealed-in batteries of the new models cannot be used in any other device, and many of the older models are past their expiration date. In Illinois alone, there were 91 residential fire deaths in 2019, 70% of which were in homes without working smoke detectors. Read JGTC's Dave Fopé's report at jg-tc.com for more information about this new law and the new smoke detectors.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about community news now. For coffee lovers in Decatur, you guys will be excited. Local news editor Scott Perry reported earlier this week that Starbucks is coming to Decatur's southeast side. A building permit has been issued by the city of Decatur that will add a storefront Starbucks kiosk within the airport Plaza Kroger, which I'm so excited for you guys. I, there's This will be the third Starbucks location in Decatur, which is very exciting. There's like one standalone, one in a Target, and now there will be one on the other side of town, which is great. This week, a mural dedicated to George Floyd was unveiled in Bloomington. Bloomington artist Bruce Clark and Illinois Wesleyan University English writing major Yovana Milosevic were instrumental in creating the mural, holding on to each other, as it was dedicated at the West Bloomington Revitalization Project Office, 724 West Washington Street on October 18th. The project was funded by the Illinois Arts Council, the McLean County Arts Center, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Students from the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington Normal worked with artists on the mural. Photojournalist David Praber has photos of the mural at pantograph.com. JGTC
1: reporter Rob Stroud this week spoke with local author Randy Irvin on his new upcoming book, Dead People Have Interesting Things to Say. The book seeks to spotlight overlooked history that is recorded by gravestone inscriptions right in Mattoon cemeteries. Irvin, who retired as chief of police from Lakeland college police department in 2017, tells the story of those buried in Mattoon cemeteries, many of whom are veterans. Check out Strahd's report at jg-tc.com where Irvin talks about his upcoming book and some of the amazing people featured in it.
0: Okay. To close today's show, Sierra and I want to talk about this game that has quickly grown in popularity and it is called among us. I'm, obsessed and that's not even strong a strong enough word uh recently a bunch of celebrities have been like live streaming it uh live streaming them playing it and i'm also obsessed with that and like the tiktoks of this there's also been so many memes and they're all funny Mm -hmm. um if
1: you don't know the premise of the game it's you're a little spaceman on a like on a spaceship and there's usually like ten players and one of two of them are called imposters, meaning like they're I don't know, like space aliens or whatever. They're
0: the killers. They're
1: the killers. And um no one knows who it is. It's it's essentially like it's essentially like um the game Mafia, if you've ever heard of that, which has the same a similar premise. But um basically you go and do your little tasks on the spaceship and um, someone will come across a quote-unquote dead body and it's one of the players and you have to call an emergency meeting and guess who the imposter is. So as you can imagine, there's lots of shenanigans that can pop up through this game.
0: Yeah, there can be like tons of drama because people are accusing each other and it's it's so fun. It's like a little cartoon game. I, the way I describe it to my friends is it's like millennial slash Gen Z clue because um, you can play, it's like cross-platform except for the fact that you cannot really play it on Mac right now. Um, but it's like free on, your phone anyway this is not like a promotional um like ad for among us but like kind of hashtag not sponsored but hashtag should be because i play this all the time and i've gotten so many people to play it all of my friends who like hate video games i've ended up convincing them to play this in some way shape or form and they are obsessed almost like every night i'm now coordinating game times with my friends and we we zoom it's like the best way to spend time together now um when we're still like spending time apart because of the pandemic. Anyway, YouTubers, podcasters, and like even political officials have jumped on this bandwagon. And I I think it's so funny. Kelsey, Watsonauer Sierra, and I all played a couple weekends ago together. And it was very fun. Yeah, it was,
1: it was really fun playing for the first time. Um, I've only been able to play a couple times since. But during that time, I was when I was the imposter for the first time I had literally no idea what I was doing and I ended up winning the game like the imposters won and I was so confused but basically I think no one suspected me because I had no idea what I was doing and like just kind of wandered around and looked a little innocent I think (laughs) but Annalisa why don't you tell me about your strategy how do you
0: win the game Okay, even though I play this game constantly, I'm not very good at it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very good at like figuring out who the imposters are, but I'm, as an imposter, not incredibly great. I, I pretty much give away my uh, myself every time. Um, there's multiple ways you can do that. It, you just you have to try the game. It's so fun. And you so you have to like pick a little name for your character and you, can, you have to like pick a different color every time and you can play with other people online. And my name is always Tina Fey. <laughs> So if if Tina Fey ever plays Among Us and sees someone else playing as her name, it's me and I would be honored to be the imposter with her. I would probably die of fangirling.
1: It's really interesting because there's been a few games this year that have really brought a lot of people across the country together during the pandemic. In March, it was Animal Crossing New Horizons, which came out and. that game for the nintendo switch it like broke records for how many millions of copies it sold which in that game it was a lot of um it was really relaxing so everyone was shut in and playing it all the time now i think there's a lot of pent-up rage and we're all playing um among us so it's like it's also interactive and brought a lot of people together. So you're um, co- you're talking with people, you're you're discussing who's the imposter, who's not the
0: imposter, and people have made friends through this game. It's really amazing, truly. It's exciting, you know. We're all kind of in the same boat. We all kind of have to still stay home a little bit. You have to go out very sparingly, um, and this is something that you can do from home. And if you're playing on your phone, it's free. And the game itself, I think, if you purchase it through Steam, is is five dollars. But it's just been really interesting to see how
1: um, video games like this have I've really brought people together mm-hmm. in the end.
0: It's like video games and TikTok have <laughs> like brought people together, and I like TikToks of people playing the video games. So yeah, but so if you guys are on Among Us or on Animal Crossing, there's a component of meeting people through Animal Crossing, right?
1: Yeah, you can. Um, if you want my my island code, <laughs> tweet at me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm um, pretty easy to find out among us. But if you want to play any of these games with Sierra or I, get us on Twitter at Annalisa Tro, A-N-A-L-I-S-A-T-R-O. And
1: you can tweet at me, Sierra Henry, at PG underscore Sierra Henry. And that's Sierra as in Sierra Nevada, S-I-E-R-R-A.
0: Long story short, can be found wherever you get your podcasts, including through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find this podcast along with the reporting mentioned today and subscription information at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com.
1: As always, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to support local journalism, leave us a review, give us a rating, and subscribe. We will see you again next Saturday at 10 a.m. for more Central Illinois news updates.